0: Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Oh my god! Thank
1: you so much. In the category of Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role, the nominees are Jennifer Connelly in A Beautiful Mind, Helen Mirren in Gusford Park, Maggie Smith in Gusford Park, Marissa Tomei in In the Bedroom, Kate Winslet in Iris. And the Oscar goes to Jennifer Connelly, A Beautiful Mind.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today I am joined by uh, a dear friend and co-worker, Brian Hatt. Brian uh, has a Comedy Now special and he has a comedy album out that went to number one on iTunes called Born This Weight. Brian,
1: uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me, Kyle. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: See, this is a very tricky podcast um, for me because I, you know... You and I working in the entertainment industry, it's very easy to get comedians on board with anything because they love to just, you know, talk shop and, you know, it's something to do. But the the thing that I find very difficult about organizing and booking this podcast is it has homework, five movies, and some of those movies are two and a half hours, you know. So I, I find it very difficult to find guests and guests that I actually really want on the podcast. So I'm very grateful that you made time to be part of this because
1: I really wanted you on this podcast. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure to do so. And uh, I'll have the audience... Uh... No, that I chose a year where there was only four movies to watch uh, because <laughs> I'm smarter than the average bear, Kyle.
0: I do love that. So this year we are doing Jennifer Connelly, a 2002 win. The 2002 Oscars, best picture was Beautiful Mind. Best director was Ron Howard for Beautiful Mind. Best actor went to Denzel Washington, which frankly, I think it should have been Russell Crowe, but that's another story and another podcast. Uh, best actress is Halle Berry, first woman of color to win. Ever and the only uh, best supporting actor, best supporting actor went to Jim Broadbent for Iris. And uh, let's just, I guess, talk a little bit before we get into this Oscar year and these performances. Um, so, some of you that have listened to this podcast before, when we were talking about Halle Berry, we've already talked about um, Iris uh, and uh, in the bedroom um so if you want y'all can just like skip past because we've discussed these movies before but this time we're discussing it in a supporting role so if you're wondering why is he talking about this movie again it's just before it was lead this time it's supporting um and the reason why i find this so interesting and the reason why i wanted to do it again is because uh uh brian you had said that you wanted to do a podcast episode about Marissa Tomei. Now, you are the, I think, sixth person to say this to me. I don't know what it is with Marissa Tomei. I do not know why everybody is obsessed with her. It's one of those like obsessions that I did not know about. But anytime that I ask people, I'm like, hey, let's talk about the Oscars. Who do you want to talk about? It's always first answer, Marissa Tomei. I have to ask, why Always, Marissa Tomei. Like, why? Why the love?
1: Uh, well, I mean, as, uh, first of all, as a, a hetero man, uh, she is one of the best-looking women um, uh, that I can uh, name uh, quickly. Uh, sure. But also, um, and perhaps this is slightly before your day. I have a few years on you, but uh, <laughs> she is widely known as the greatest underdog to ever win in her category. Uh, to the point where she was nominated, um, people were flabbergasted. I mean, this is sort of, I mean, not long before, but uh, before comedies were even sort of recognized as some sort of artistic accomplishment as far as the academy was concerned. Right. uh, Which being a comedian has always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, (laughs) And then when she won on top of that, uh, it just blew people's minds. They just thought, how is this happening? Look at all these serious dramatic actors over here. And then did we just give an Oscar to a fucking female lead in a Joe Pesci comedy? Uh, yes, you did, and yeah. it was well deserved. And anyone who says otherwise is a foolish person.
0: Well, we did. Um, I think uh, Marissa Tomei was my second episode, and I had get, uh, the guest on was uh, Ariane Tong, and we went through all of the, the, um, you know, there was like Miranda Richardson, and uh, uh, oh, what's what's her name? Um, oh, she won for. Uh, I can't even remember. V- Van- Vanessa Redgrave. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of like old, like thespian <laughs> Shakespearean <laughs> actors. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then Marissa Tomei, the dark horse, kind of comes in and, and wins. I watched all those movies. Okay. Marissa Tomei deserved to win. Absolutely. I'm sorry. But she, because I feel like the people that said that they were shocked that she won, I feel like they didn't even see the other movies because there was a long, history with the Oscars where a lot of the voters didn't even watch a lot of the female categories, especially the supporting, which is
1: so insulting. Yes, of course. It's that sort of antiquated uh, thinking that uh, made it so difficult for comedies to get any sort of respect at all. Uh, And I was just making this point to somebody else here um, and why comedies need to be acknowledged more is because it's it's just simply harder to be funny than it is to be dramatic. Like two-year-old children can be dramatic. I am dramatic if my right. order at Starbucks doesn't come fast enough. You know I mean, like we're dramatic all the time without <laughs> ever even having to think about it. Uh, now take all that and think: how many people do you know that can be funny spontaneously, or even worse yet, with written material that's not even their own? You know, what I mean, like they like the rom com, um, which I guess this would qualify as, is actually one of the most difficult things to navigate as an actor. Because mm-hmm. rare is it that an actor has the ability to do both uh, yeah. adeptly.
0: I completely agree. It's it's such an under uh stated form of art and it's just not appreciated. Although this year was definitely not a comedy year. <laughs>
1: this no, year no, no, no. was a
0: real fucking downer. Yeah,
1: I really um, could have looked it up, but as I said before, I was like, Oh, four movies instead of five. Great. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and then they were I all looked at the synopsis because I'd only seen a beautiful mind. Yeah. You know, when I saw Um, the synopsis, I I was definitely in for a surprise. Although Gosford Park was much more up lively than I thought it would be.
0: Oh, I I, I have to agree. I mean, it's just because, you know, for our listeners in Toronto and Canada, like we've gone back into a lockdown so it's 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 maybe a bit triggering watching uh, a beautiful mind where a man is slowly descending into like <laughs> madness and you're Isolation, just like
1: essentially
0: yeah 100 yeah. you're like okay great um but before we get into anything i just have to say this for our listeners just because i think that this is you know i i respect you so much as an artist and what you do but i also the thing that i respect about you more than anything in this world is that <laughs> you know. at one point in your life Uh, knew Rachel McAdams. Yes,
1: yes. I I tell everybody this. (laughs) (laughs) What's his name? It doesn't matter. He knew Rachel.
0: (laughs) Uh, All, you know, uh, Regina George herself um, and I, like, you were talking gay royalty here, so um, how did you meet Rachel McAdams, and what what was she
1: like? Uh, I met Rachel McAdams in my, uh, like, I went to York University for theater. Uh, the first year is sort of a general uh, theater uh, education for all involved, and then after uh, first year, you have to pick a stream, and so naturally, uh, myself and many others went for the acting stream, and I, I was lucky enough to get accepted into that, as was Rachel, so we probably met uh, day one, year two. I didn't know her at all before then. Maybe had met her briefly. We still have a mutual friend. Um, and yeah, to be honest with you, I, I don't have a bad word to say about her. She's exactly what you want her to be. Uh, she is a sweet, uh, thoughtful, uh, God-fearing, uh, perfect little first child from St. Thomas, Ontario. And wow. honestly, I, I might make her sound a little stiff in that description, but honestly, <laughs> she's she's a lot of fun. And and she was able to, um, like, uh, from the second you saw her act, even back then, like, we all sort of knew that she was something special. Um, wow. And I don't think there was a, a great deal of resentment. I mean, there were probably some from some of the other ladies in the class, but she was <laughs> never um, in your well, face she's Gorgeous. It. She never appeared to be taking her talent for granted at all. Like, nobody worked harder than her. Um, nobody was more thoughtful about the work that she did than her. And uh, it is no surprise to me in the least that she is where she is today.
0: Isn't that so crazy? I mean, I think a lot of the people, especially the students, yeah, they probably were a little resentful because at one point, all of your careers were parallel and (laughs) and she just
1: exploded. And I've seen it from some of my classmates, a little, uh, a little bit of jealousy, but at the same time, I mean, if that's, if you're prone to that sort of thing, then, this is not the business for you. If you can't be happy for people succeeding, um, yeah. this, this business is just gonna tear you down. You're just gonna end up an old bitter husk.
0: I stop talking about me. My ears are burning. <laughs> um, whenever, uh, whenever I, I think I can't remember what you answered to this question, but I asked you like, and I can't remember what your answer was, but I asked, like, did she like know that she was going to be famous? Do you know what I mean? Like, did she have that kind of uh, I don't way think about
1: she, um, because she was, you know, a, a moderately religious person. Do you know what I mean uh, right. probably because of that, someone superstitious. I don't think she probably ever let herself get that far ahead. Okay, I, I will say there was, I believe, a strong inner belief. Not that she ever really said it, but you could see it um, because she had already, like, even in the beginning, she had gained some attention, like. Uh, David Rotenberg, for example, who is a wonderful acting teacher here in Toronto, considered to be one of the best, he was um, a professor of acting up at school. And uh, he you could tell he quickly took a shine to her. She was booking little foreign films. Like she did like an Italian film, an uh, oh. Italian independent film, which I can't remember the name of, uh, like in the break between, I think, second and third year or something without any of us even really noticing it. Like she was wow. the first to just like, she kind of never had to go through the commercial process, for example. Like, it was clear to everybody around her that uh, we didn't have to put her in the, you know, the insurance commercial or the what have you to see if she could you know, do it. Uh, she was just, you know, there was a strong sense that she was going to fit in just fine there. And on top of that, she had a very good head on her shoulders because of that very quiet, um, wholesome upbringing that uh-huh. she had. Like, um, And not to knock her co-star in uh, Mean Girls, but it didn't seem like um, all this newfound power and whatever fame and success and money was going to um, change her all that much. And honestly, it hasn't.
0: You know, I think a lot of people look at fame and they think of it like, okay, like, how do I get in? Like, there's this secret formula. But really, I think the one thing that we really just have to truly accept um, about uh, actors and fame is some people are just so precocious, and I like you're saying between you know summer of second year and third year, she's already like booking movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's literally like when somebody is really that talented and and a star, it's undeniable. And it just if you were going to be famous, you'd already be famous, or you'd be on your way. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I think that um, I always th- you think about that like in music, like Billie Eilish is like 16 years old. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, there's a
1: degree of luck involved in it, too. Yes. I mean, I'm sure when um, she first kind of got to Hollywood, there was a litany of projects she could have put herself to, but she has had a fairly good track record of picking the right projects, too. Like, she took a chance on Mean Girls, and uh, (sighs) it turned out to be possibly her greatest thing. Uh, She took a shot on a small little romantic novel, which is now considered... Like, I call it classic as possibly the greatest romantic movie ever made. Uh, and problematic, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, Oh, yeah, some of the. I still can't get over the scene of uh, Ryan Gosling hanging off a Ferris wheel and how psychotic that is in actual. Oh, time. my God.
0: <laughs> I know. It, but it's not, It's not. you know,
1: stalking if he's hot. No, and it's the 1940s. You want a side note on that one, too. Um, that was one of our earlier successes. And uh, I one of my best friends, Benj, who also went to class with the two of us, Uh, we had a day off uh, around the time that movie was out and we wanted to go see a movie and you know the the obligation to support our friends sort of overtook us so we're like you know what let's just go see the notebook right there's nothing really else that we really want to see we'll just go check it out and be a good friend to rachel (laughs) sure like idiots we forgot to really look at the listing of the movie and we walk in and it's one of those movies for like Uh, Expected mothers or uh, mothers with young (laughs) children. (laughs) So there's literally uh, like one, like it's mostly empty theater except for some very pregnant women, some women with their, you know, their toddlers running around and two full-grown fucking perverts in the back. (laughs) Just being like, why did we choose today? And we felt so bad about walking. We couldn't walk out on her. We couldn't be like, I'm sorry, I'm uncomfortable, Rachel. I have to leave this fucking theater. (laughs) they probably thought you were a lovely gay couple (laughs) yeah i hope so i hope but that was yeah i'll never forget that moment it was hilariously awkward but i
0: would just walk if i saw that i would just walk in and i would be pretending to hold my baby bump like i would just (laughs) i'm expecting me
1: um
0: okay well listen i could talk to you about rachel mcadams for literally an hour but (laughs) Next next time. let's let's talk about some of these movies so um let's jump right into Marissa Tomei in the bedroom since we were literally just talking about Marissa Tomei. So, um, again, another downer of a movie. This was, um, a movie that we've talked about before in this podcast. Um, there's not really much more that I can really add to it unless I've been previously said, I will just say that, um, it does remind me of the Manchester by the sea. Um, I think that, um, one thing that I find so interesting about Marissa Tomei in this movie is she's kind of like the master of the like Boston, New Jersey kind of mm. accent. But every time that she plays it, she always, always, always plays it in a different way. It feels familiar, um, but different. I think that you know, um, Marissa Tomei getting slapped across the face by Sissy Spacek is mm. probably my favorite. <laughs> scene yes yes also side note i just thought sissy spacek you're so fucking angry go full carry on the guy who murdered your son you know yeah. what i'm saying like you have the power um unleash it and uh what did you think okay so what did you think about this movie and what did you think about marissa tome uh
1: the movie i i enjoyed quite a bit uh right from the get-go there what i like about it it's um it's it's a very simply made Movie. I, I don't mean that as any sort of detriment, but from the, the very beginning to the very end, it there's very little fluff there. Um, there's no sort of we're trying to, um, you know, and not that there would be, but no fancy CGI or, or, or mm-hmm. um, sort of camera tricks or anything like just good quality acting. Uh, very um, nothing overhanded, nothing too heavy handed as far as symbolism or anything like that. It literally just takes you on the journey of all these characters, um, which is what I particularly liked about it is um, that you really get to see the journey of all these characters here. I I felt like watching the movies, you're actually watching these uh, three characters, mostly Sissy Spacek and her husband there go through the seven stages of grief. And I I feel like you can um, see them like (laughs) literally, especially with Sissy Spacek. Um, Yeah. With Marissa Tomei's performance in particular, uh, I liked it very much, but I feel like her part in this movie is more a vehicle um, uh, rather than, um, like, she's not really what the piece centers around. You know what I mean? It's not really about Mm -hmm. her, this movie. Uh, But you have to love her to love the sun to make that tragedy in the beginning of the movie seem that much more uh it affect you that much more deeply do you know what I mean because we don't have a lot of time we don't get to see uh much of this romance blossom we kind of start uh we're like nine tenths into this relationship right we're we're what yes. three or four days before the end of this young kid's life sadly so i was very much impressed with how much and again perhaps this is my own personal bias but how much she got me to fall in love with her in her limited scenes in this movie. She's not in this movie. Really? A great deal. Like okay, I mean, but when you give think me- about it, the, the, the best scene that she might have is just that little scene where the dad comes home uh and realizes that his son has been fucking his much older girlfriend in their house while he was uh while he was at work. Do you know I me? Mean?
0: I am sure shocked yes. that you, like by that because um like what do you mean specifically like whenever they come out of the bath, the the bedroom and they're up and you just sort of see them and yeah, when it's clear like, what they've been doing
1: yes yes that it's uh and again this is why i love this movie there's very few lines in that whole scene you know i mean it's it's awkward it's, yeah they just yeah they're awkward and you don't have to say anything you know i mean you could literally watch that scene play out where The dad's sort of disappointed at first because his kid is supposed to be somewhere else, supposed to be thinking about his future, but he loves him so much that when he puts two and two together and there's this sort of pregnant pause there where you can see Marissa and the young boy, um, they know, they they can see that the father has realized what's happening. And then they, I don't want to say they share a laugh, but there's a moment of, uh, because he literally changes the subject to something else about food or a sandwich or something like that. coleslaw yeah. and that's his coleslaw that's right that's yeah. his way of saying this is okay with me i'm not going to go further here because this this is love Do you know what i mean these are just two kids and it was said that whole scene is done with very little words that that's always a great sign of filmmaking when it's not what's said it's rather what not is said. what's not said
0: well see this was a very um This was a remarkable uh, directorial debut for Todd Field who directed this movie and they were actually comparing it to the directorial debut of like Citizen Kane where people weren't really expecting much from it and then it turned out to be very well paced, very well structured, very interesting and like you're saying it's not about the CGI, it's literally just straight up storytelling there are certain scenes where I forget that I'm watching a movie, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god!" For me, I think where Marissa Tomei really shines in this movie is when the son is about to be killed, yeah. and he's downstairs fighting with the ex lover, Marissa Tomei's ex lover, oh, sure. and uh, you know, you she's, with the kids she's upstairs, she, and she's trying to get the kids to stay, mm-hmm.
1: she's and the kids just when like staying upstairs and going downstairs, yes, and she's like,
0: "No, you have to stay I'm here," and then like you. It's like you're not watching a movie. It's like you're watching like you're watching a crime. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like you're watching something real, like you're looking into someone's life.
1: This is literally the greatest compliment you can give to any filmmaker is what you say. Anytime you that's the suspension of disbelief, you know, that we're always talking about. And yeah, I was right there with you. Like there's that sort of Sophie's choice and you feel it. Do you protect your children or do you protect your lover? And that's all he really is not to you know diminish their relationship, but he himself has said that he's going to move on, even though I don't think he really believes that mm-hmm. she is trying to keep it light, even though I don't think she really believes that. Um, and so there is that terrible decision. Do you let the man uh, fend for himself with a guy that's presumably bigger, stronger and obviously proven to be dangerous? Yeah. Or do you stick with, you know, sheer flesh and blood that obviously have no chance to protect themselves?
0: I think the guy that plays the murdering ex-lover, I think he was like the villain who was in the others in Lost.
1: Oh, I never watched Lost.
0: Because but... I was like, why do you look so familiar? I know, he and it's
1: familiar. And I didn't, but I loved what little part he had in the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, this is a great movie. If you've never seen In the Bedroom, it's <laughs> Uh, certainly about grief, but it is definitely worth a watch. Uh, Very, very well acted. Yes. Um, there are certain, you know, the thing about Marissa's performance in this movie is she stands out a lot. And I, I think that um, it, it's just a few scenes for her where she really shines. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she shines the way that Marissa Tomei always sort of shines. Yeah. I do find that she's often very sexualized in her most celebrated roles, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I
1: think in this case is, it's probably why she was cast for that. Do you know what I mean? But I don't yeah. have time with this, again, with the brevity of this part, I don't have time uh, like the movie isn't long enough. It doesn't have uh, the time to try and make you fall for that person. So in a way, when you have such a beloved person already, I've mm-hmm. already seen that light, already appreciate, already respect it. It sort That's of lets you point. jump the line a little bit. That's yeah. why I think she's insanely well cast in this. Like, as you put, like an Emma Thompson in there, who's who's very much equally as good as acting, if not more so. But she has like a colder, sort of sterner vibe about her. You have you now have to invest time and scenes into showing that she's not that person. Do you know what I mean? That
0: no, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I, I completely Marissa understand has what a you're sort saying.
1: Sort of instant likeability, I guess to make my point more succinct.
0: I would. I would actually agree with that. The only thing. The only thing that I found really confusing about uh, this movie and there was one scene that I didn't really know if the um, if Tom Wilkinson and Marissa Tomei were like really conveying the point of the scene. Well, do you remember when he goes to the convenience store and he's like asking how she is and she's like working behind the counter and Mm -hmm. she's like it almost seemed like he was like trying to start an affair with her.
1: Honestly, I have not seen the movie before. I was curious about that myself. Um, if that's where the movie was going to. I mean, it is uh, titled In the Bedroom, after all. Um, but then um, sort of the jump points to, I love the beginning of the movie, too, where he explains what in the bedroom means with the crab cage and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a perfect sort of uh, analogy for the rest of the movie uh, that this poor, um, you know, because he says you put too many lobsters in a cage and they get in the fight, one of them literally lost his arm, in this case, alive. life. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. That's, is, I think, supposed to be along those same lines. Like, he literally lied to his wife about leaving because he knows Sissy would uh, have a real big problem with um, him checking in on Marissa, even if it is for the most, you know, uh, you know, honest intentions. Because in Sissy's eyes, she is the reason. The kid is dead, not the guy who actually pulled the trigger, right? It's her that brought him Mm -hmm. into the picture. So in the same way, Tom, Sissy, and her, even though they're all victims, survivors of this incident, there's too many lobsters in the cage, right? Someone has to go, which is sort of the the premise of the whole movie, right? (laughs) It's almost kind of like a perfect movie, (laughs) like just the way it's done. When you said about Todd Field there, I'm not surprised that was said because there is very little fault to find in this movie. It's, again, like perfectly placed, very well acted, very well written. Like all these movies, for that matter, what little criticism I have, they're all pretty damn good movies, this one especially.
0: Well, uh, congrats, Marissa Tomei, on being on every single episode of my fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that. This is, this is the end so far of Marissa Tomei. Maybe she'll be nominated in the future. If, if she is, I'll bring you right back and we'll talk yeah. about well, Marissa Tomei. Does, yeah. Oh, my God. That's it for Marissa. Okay, so let's talk about um, Kate Winslet in Iris. The mm. first thing that I want to say about this movie is I think that this is what Still Alice should have been. I think that Iris is one of the most realistic portrayals of um, Alzheimer's disease. And the reason why I say that is because I personally don't have any experience with uh, an individual going through Alzheimer's. But I've actually had um, people previously on the podcast whose family members have had it. And they actually just out of nowhere said, hey, have you seen the movie Iris? Because, you know, it's the most realistic Portrayal of somebody going through something like this I've ever seen in my life, Mm -hmm. even more so Than still Alice, and I was like, oh And then when I saw this movie, I was like bawling My fucking eyes out
1: It's, yeah, as somebody, uh, my mother's Mother, uh, my maternal Grandmother went through this, and I can tell you um, It is Um. uh, It didn't ring true with me in a lot Of places, Uh, the only difference Being, uh, she has Her husband, Jim Broadbent It's sort of about them together uh, whereas my poor grandmother, you know, she had been widowed by that point, and unfortunately had to spend a lot of the same, uh, had to go through it in a hospital. I guess is the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like it's uh, so I, I could, I definitely related to that. Although hearing you talk about that, I can't think of any other movie about Alzheimer's, other than maybe, <laughs> you know, the end of uh, no, that doesn't, not even right. That's a different disease. Uh, no, well, but yes, yeah, I, uh, I was very impressed with the movie as well
0: uh well that's a huge downer thank you for that uh no
1: (laughs) (laughs) she's dead you can talk about it it's not too simple
0: (laughs) so okay so you're saying then that the portray the the portrayal that uh judy
1: dench gave uh, was was not accurate or no it is it was i mean it was a little i couldn't totally relate to it only because she was she was so fortunate to have such a you know this real life character too which i had to constantly remind myself this is about a real person uh, who mm-hmm. was also a d- dame, much like Judy herself, uh, and, and it does a great job because it's mostly the moments I related to the most is there was there were moments when I was watching my own grandmother, which Judy portrayed so well, where you can see the moments where she comes out of this fog, and um, mm. she realizes that she doesn't know where she's been, and that that's like imagine it's like driving home. If, you, if this ever happened to you, when you're driving home tired. And you come to that realization suddenly as you're driving that you don't remember making the last three turns. Right. This is the same thing, except it goes on much longer and the and the blackouts are much more severe. And I remember in the early days of the Alzheimer's, I would occasionally catch my grandmother sort of coming out of that cloud. and this, I could see how it hit her, like how that realization of where she had just been and how, um, how dangerous that made living life do you know what I mean, when you couldn't have yeah. your mental facilities and my and my grandmother much like the character in this movie was a very intelligent very ambitious mm-hmm. and independent woman so you know you think it's hard for an old lady to have her car taken away you know because she drives right. too slow or her reflexes are too slow i imagine someone taking your mind from you like uh, um. i thought she did as well with that um, because it is such an internal struggle, Alzheimer's. It's a very difficult thing to convey acting wise. I thought mm-hmm. Judi Dench did as good a job as you could do with that part.
0: You know, I think that this might be. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, that was that was very personal. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, but talking about um, Kate Winslet specifically in this movie for a supporting role, I'm going to preface. Okay. I feel like there's going to be a lot of gay gasps when I say this, but, but okay. First of all, I think that we can all agree that Kate Winslet is an amazing actor. She has clearly demonstrated that she's extremely talented. She has extreme range after Titanic. She got really good at doing accents. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, uh, I just feel that again, the acting in this movie from Kate Winslet is great. I feel like she was miscast. And the reason why I say that is because uh, part of the reason why is because I feel like she's a little too beautiful for the role. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe that she's just going to suddenly morph into Judy
1: Dench. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This um, they didn't show that very well. Well, but but
0: uh, the, the guy, uh, Hugh Bonneville, who was the younger version of Jim Broadbent, looked exactly like him.
1: Yeah, no, that worked out.
0: Yes. You know, so it's like, uh, that's kind of like I know, not. Yeah.
1: When she goes like, from gorgeous to Skeletor, I did not yeah. like transition director.
0: Like, they just, I'm just saying they did Judy Dench a little dirty on that one. That was kind of mean. Also. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Or did they do Kate Winslet dirty? <laughs> <worried about her.
0: laughs> I don't know. But, you know, we've seen this from Kate Winslet before where she plays the younger version, like in Titanic and stuff like that. So maybe that's why they thought, oh, Kate Winslet would be perfect for this. You know, I just think that, um you know every single scene that Kate wasn't what that Kate Winslet was in i feel like it was her version of the character i don't know if i really believed that it was younger judy dench's character is that like sacrilegious to say i don't i, I don't just didn't so. get the connection
1: no yes i would agree uh, almost entirely with that point is that uh perhaps from a different angle though like like you said she is so uh used to doing these kinds of roles. I think that this, right. this part may have been a little too in her wheelhouse where it's, um...
0: Was it, technical? Like, like, too technical?
1: Uh, it's almost a little flat, if I can use the word. Like like you said, I I wasn't making the connections between her and Judy Dench. Um, I, I didn't see the similarities there where I needed to see them. You know, I mean, I didn't see either one really picking up on the habits of the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um... And like she hit all the right notes because I know she's intelligent and a great actress and she knows how to do that. Like mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. hit her posts and there was some meaning to what she was saying, but it lacked a little depth. If I have to say like, I, I, I saw a bit of an archetype and not mm-hmm. enough of a human being there.
0: It, it almost, I think that when we're talking about with, with Titanic, for example, it's just sort of like Rose, like old Rose is mm-hmm. so old at that point yeah. that it's like yeah, like you're a hundred years old, so you're like a totally different person. And in, at the beginning, and in, and and Kate Winslet is supposed to be like a seventeen-year-old, so yeah. I can believe that they are the same person, even though they can be completely different. Yeah, in this, in the case of Iris, other than that hideous wig, <laughs> there was nothing that they really had in common that really it just yeah. sort of seemed like two fantastic performances that had nothing to do with each other it was like in my opinion two.
1: i was watching two different people do you know I mean? like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like robert de niro are you talking about uh, i mean like it's sort of like um instead of old robert de niro and uh young uh, or sorry brando. old marlon brando and young marlon brando it was like i was watching uh, al pacino versus brando do you know I mean like right same movie different characters uh, oh. Where I wanted to see Robert De Niro playing the young Marlon, I didn't get that at all. Like, they, like you said, there was no thread between the two of them that uh, I thought, it's, um thread the movie up because there's so many other parts of this movie that work so well. Like Jim Broadbent uh-huh. as as the husband was insanely good. Like his performance, <sighs> oh, I know. is by far the best of that year. Like. <laughs> Uh, There's yeah. a point you want to talk about, like, spacing out and forgetting you're watching a movie. Uh, ugh. <laughs> totally. Wait, but, guy. Wait,
0: but, wait, can I guess what scene you're talking about? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, are you talking about the scene where Judy Dench is freaking out and she suddenly doesn't know where she is? And then she thinks that Jim Broadbent is, like, trying to hurt her. So she's running around the house freaking out. And then he gets mad at her because he's like, I'm trying to help you. And then he runs away.
1: Yes, that was that's sort of the culmination of his performance. Yes, that was the one in particular. But you could see the progression there, which I guess is sort of what we're talking about with Kate Winslet. I didn't see her character. Like, storytelling is all about a character's journey from A to Z, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see that between Kate Winslet and Judy Dench. Like, there seems to be a gap in the middle there. But for every scene, from the beginning of the movie to the end, the young... Jim Broadbent character and his older self, they seem one and the same, too, like a hand in mm. glove, totally together. I agree. Uh, and, and you could see the progression. Like there's even little times where, you know, just a little thing would go wrong, and he had that little way of shuffling, and he would kind of reach for his chest, and it was a nothing moment. But in my head is like, oh fuck, is this guy going to drop dead right now? Is this guy about right. to have a heart attack? Like as the fucking burden of um, keeping his love of his life in this house with him because you see the the house is falling apart like at one point a the mess. cops walking through and you think yeah. he's about to fucking call social services or she i should say like uh, you get to see that sort of slow degradation because you realize it's not just her suffering this disease it's him uh that's the link i am missing between judy dench and kate winslet while they both give good performances
0: mm-hmm. somehow and again this is more on
1: the director than them somehow it's missing the link is missing yeah the bridge I, it's not bridge i guess
0: i completely i completely agree with you great performance a little disconnected, disconnected. um yeah let's talk about gosford park <laughs> so cool. if anybody has not had the pleasure of watching this movie if you are a fan of downton this is basically what downton is based on because downton abbey in 2010 was was going to be a sequel of Gosford Park. But then they decided that they wanted to make it into its own individual series Mm -hmm. and not have it be this sort of murder mystery. Although, frankly, I love a good murder mystery sort of angle. And um, a lot of the same cast is in there, like Maggie Smith. And um, that's really the only one that I can remember off the top of my head. But there's a lot of actors in Gosford Park that are in Downton Abbey. Uh, this movie won the Academy Award for uh, Best Writing, and if you've never seen Gosford Park, it's literally like Clue meets Downton Abbey. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. Clue is, yeah. It's like Clue without the shitty jokes. It's, oh, I love <laughs> Clue.
0: Um, to the point where,
1: yeah, it's like, how farcical is this movie going to get, I thought to myself.
0: Oh no, a hundred percent. Madeline Kahn as Mrs. White. I just love it. Okay, uh, now with Gosford Park. So we have a double nominee. It's Helen Mirren and Maggie yes, yes. Smith. Mm-hmm. But right out the gate, between the two nominees, Maggie Smith was for sure just nominated because she was just Maggie Smithing the fuck out of this role.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, and they were like yeah. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just do it, Maggie. She came dressed like that too. Like they, no, <laughs> those are everyday clothes. Um, she just had it ready to go. That's hilarious. Well, what I found interesting, because again, I, I had not seen this movie uh, previous. So when I um, when I turned it on, the sort of description said comedy. Dream drama uh which i found a little interesting because it is very much it follows very true to that old murder mystery orient express bbc radio show kind of uh who done it um but it's i i wouldn't i don't know if i would go so far as to call it comedy Mm uh but that's particularly why i like maggie smith in this movie because if it is a comedy she is the the she is your the comedian. the comedian, yeah, she's the
0: she's fucking hilarious. She, she's awesome
1: in this. She's the only thing that sort of um, reminds me because I, I I wonder if that was a choice by the director just because it, it would be very easy to slip into Clue, into you know this very good, thoughtful, well well directed, like well cast, well like the sets and the everything and the makeup and the costumes, just everything so brilliant. You really, I mean, they shot this one 20... <laughs> It would not mm-hmm. even probably 1999 and it comes out three years later or something and it, it looks totally authentic that's why i loved about it but yeah sh- as far as i can tell unless i missed a couple of british jokes that went over my head right. Maggie smith <laughs> is the only <laughs> funny, funny part about this really yeah
0: oh 100 yeah so In on the t- no i mean you know like if i didn't really have much like i don't really have much to say about maggie smith's performance here other than like if you've seen Maggie in Downton, it's basically that. Mm-hmm. Um she's kind of like a you know, not necessarily like a snob, but she believes in the old way of things and the order of things yeah. and she's um, a broke aristocrat. <laughs> yeah and I, I, uh, she she always talks in like passive aggressive ways. Like yeah, yeah. uh I think the funniest thing is whenever that musician starts playing the piano oh, like the and actor. then yeah. She tells everybody to stop clapping. She's like, oh, no, 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 He'll start all over again. Don't, 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 do yeah,
1: It was no real impetus. Like, just constantly annoyed at the fact. I guess perhaps that he's somehow taking attention away from her. but Or she just loves a bitch. I, I can't tell which, but that's yeah. why I love the character so much.
0: Um, I think she, she just kind of had, like, little funny moments, you know, like, mm. when she's r- laughing at Ryan Filipe having coffee spilled on his crotch. Oh, yeah. And casting oh. him as the bad actor.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love that choice and the fact that he accepted it knowing full well what he's doing. <laughs> I was like, bravo to you, Ryan Felipe, or Felipe, or whatever the fuck your name is.
0: It was good. Yeah. He did a pretty good Scottish accent, I think. I'm not that familiar with well, the Scottish no, really. accent. That's
1: part of the problem, right? <laughs> they uh, keep was calling that? him on oh. his bad accent. That's how they, they figured out he was an actor before they were told.
0: Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out that part because I don't... Well he I slips mean, out
1: of it a couple of times. He accidentally answers in English. And oh, okay. Days, like, mm. <laughs> you but
0: you know me, Yeah, but you know Maggie Smith was just she was very fussy and she just like I don't know. Like the, the I wouldn't really I, I think it's great that she got nominated for this because mm-hmm. again, she was just Maggie Smithing it up, but I don't really know if she
1: had any big Academy Award moments. No, I can't yeah, like I mean, not to spoil the ending, but she is in such an ensemble piece here. There are so many good actors, even ones that don't have names. Like some of the guys just playing, um, you know, the other ballets and uh, attendants. Uh, they're all very quality uh, theater actors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's hard to pick her performance out of here and be like, "Oh, this is exceptional." In a, in a sea of fantastic performances, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. because of her limited screen time, again, because her character isn't really moving the plot along that much she's there more for comic relief um it, it's very well done but like you said like she's done it before she'll do it again <laughs> she's a, i could a, watch it forever sunrise in this movie but yeah it, it's not it's not groundbreaking by any means
0: no but you know i mean it's like i could just watch her doing that all day long mm-hmm. I, I like throw all the golden globes at her i don't care but literally like um you know it's like when she just had like little bitchy moments when she asked her uh what not, yeah. There's like a footman, and then there's like your, oh, yeah. you're like, yeah. you're like lady yeah. in waiting or whatever.
1: Yeah. It's like a Tarantino movie too. Everybody takes the name of their master. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> fucked up. Like there were white slaves. Like,
0: oh, guy, hun- at one
1: point I wanted to go like how much are these assholes getting paid? Because yeah, like, seriously, this kind of work? The bathing and all that stuff. I'm like, get the fuck out of here.
0: I know it was it was absolutely ridiculous, but uh, like when she would ask her. Her servant to like launder her shirt at night, and then she does, and then in the morning she doesn't even want it. So it's like, yeah, she would just kind of do like little funny, bitchy things. But like, um, that's really all I have to say about that. It's just not a lot of meat on that bone there. I, I, I I agree. Um, Helen Mirren, however, Mm. she was, she was like, Like this sort of fun little surprise performance because um 20 year spoiler she did it (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, yes. (laughs) she did it she won the um screen actors guild award for best supporting actress Mm -hmm. um for this role i can see why um it really wasn't until about an hour and 40 minutes that you see helen mirren and again we've talked about this before on the podcast there are certain, I mean, actually, the last episode, which, by the way, the last fucking episode that I did about the Renee Zellweger uh, win, the fucking Renee Zellweger fan club, the Renaissance fucking came for me.
1: Are you serious? I got oh, re- my bad. God.
0: And I want all of you little fuckers to know that I hate you. <laughs> and I literally, I I hope that your house catches on fire. I don't care how mean oh, that wow. is. This is a comedy podcast she won the oscar it's gonna be okay yeah she's, like, she still was. what the fuck oh <laughs> uh, people are like how, how, how dare oscar? you oh
1: my god oh <laughs> yeah. uh, so cute um i hope someday someone defends my acting with such zealot uh passion <laughs> well crazy. i said
0: I put this on Facebook, you know, that like the Renee Zellweger fan club was coming for blood and somebody wrote, "I don't know why, but that just makes so much sense that Renee Zellweger would have a fan club like that." And okay. I'm like, "Yeah, it makes sense. I don't Mountain know why it makes crew, sense."
1: Man. The Cold- <laughs> <laughs> we will fuck you up.
0: Uh, yeah, I um, fucking hate that movie, okay? <laughs> I fucking hate Cold Mountain. Let's get off. Of it.
1: Back to Helen Mirren. <laughs> between helen Mirren and maggie smith's part in this movie they both have about the same amount of screen time they both have yeah. about the same amount of responsibility for this film but it's degree of difficulty here like where maggie mm-hmm. smith is just doing maggie smith i mean she's juggling two balls out there like this is this is easy for her but the journey that 100. uh helen Mirren's character goes on is so much different because mm-hmm. she has this secret that she has to hide from nearly the beginning of the movie, right? She recognizes, um, what's his name? Clive Owen. Clive Owen for the second she sees. My husband. She's 99% sure this is her kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she cannot tell the audience that, right? So she here she has to act <laughs> this thing where she has to, A, realize that this is my bastard son that I abandoned out of embarrassment, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to um, sort of... Politely, uh, without too directly nudging, try and nudge him away from murdering a guy that I kind of love and also my master. Dumbledore? Um, without spoiling the end of the movie, but at the same time, giving the audience the right clues that she yeah. is, in fact, like, without, you know, kind of lying to the audience because acting is like such a funny thing. And acting um, and magic are the only two professions in the world where you can't get caught doing your job.
0: right uh, i love that this
1: part so difficult is because she knows the end of this movie when she starts acting it so the way she had me off base uh like i didn't know what she had done until um uh uh, clive owen stabs a guy in the heart Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do I had you to think... literally backtrack In my head and think about all those little moments Where I thought she had the hots for climber. <laughs> and when <Right. re-think> About <laughs> what she was doing I was like Oh my god no I, I you know, like So beautifully acted but she was sort of walking This, this fine line Of incest uh, <laughs> Yes but I just naturally assumed was going one way uh, But was actually <laughs> going in the opposite direction
0: So then who did you think When you were watching the movie Like, uh, Like who did you think did it Before oh, you saw the end
1: Oh well, I mean, um, like uh, the because there was the, the whole thing was about he was stabbed and poisoned. Obviously, the stabbing uh, was I think clear um, in that he um, was already dead. He was already dead. Yeah, the, you yeah. saw the no blood thing was uh, a giveaway, and they sort of gave away the ending in the beginning too. Uh, when that lovely Scottish girl that assists Maggie Smith is unpacking her suitcase to bring the jewels out or something, the night jewels. Um, <laughs> the scene very clearly shows a bottle of poison. <laughs> so, like in that sort of old school again, who done it way? They they sort of set up all the players and set up all the sort of you know it was uh, you know the crowbar in the in the purple room by Mister Gray or whatever. Oh wait, so
0: I mi- I missed this then. So oh, yeah, wait, yeah. because I thought Helen, I thought Helen Mirren did it.
1: Uh, well, yes, technically <laughs> that's the whole thing of the thing. Her son never got a chance to murder her. Uh, the guy, because she had actually done it earlier. Uh, but who had the bottle of poison, Maggie Smith? No, it's sitting in the kitchen, uh, <gasps> um, which also happens to be the uh, where her sort of natural enemy resides. <laughs> uh, right. Master's original cook slash handler. Remember they have that sort of contentious relationship because two people yeah the same job. Yeah. They throw a hint there that there's going to be a poisoning. Yeah, and of course you don't really think about it at the time, but. Remember, uh, he, um, she tries to bring him some food when he's moping in the fucking study there, and he's like, I don't want your fucking food. Give me a drink instead. And then he takes a sip, and he's clearly he's not liking whatever she just poured him. I That was a big flag for me uh, that something was in that class, but I didn't know why, basically, until the very end.
0: Well, so, yeah, basically, um, again, spoiler alert, uh, Helen Mirren was just, like, pre-killing Dumbledore. Yes, the, yes. The murder victim is Dumbledore. By the way, the entire cast of Harry Potter is in this movie. Yes, um,
1: yes, Because yes. <laughs> you can't murder someone that's already dead
0: yeah and so so uh helen mirren basically pre-killed dumbledore to protect clive owen her son i thought it was either dumbledore's wife or it was the cook to totally throw everybody off because she mentioned that she worked in the factory so i thought maybe she'd like loved dumbledore so then maybe she like killed dumbledore because she was like jalouse Mm -hmm. i don't know but well oh by the way uh, one of the, the head butlers was a conscientious objector. Yes. I didn't know what that was. And um, oh, yeah. that is, you claim the right to refuse to perform military service on the grounds of freedom of thought, religion, and conscience. Yeah. And obviously that would be a crime, a.k.a. Cold Mountain. But basically... Yeah. um. Uh, yeah there were a lot of really interesting sort of fun things going on in this movie Helen Mirren's meaty part and real performance doesn't really come out until the end when you find out that she was the one that did it yeah. why she did it she has the breakdown um and and if for Helen Mirren it's really the the thing that makes it so strong of a performance like you were saying is that like she knew the whole time but she has to act like um yeah. you know she doesn't and well, also
1: doesn't <laughs> you know know exactly how things are going to end but she has some idea that something has to be done and i but also portrayed that well but also though i think that uh
0: what probably just gives it away is the fact that you have helen mirren playing such a small role <laughs> yes, it's right, like yes. she must have done it because that it's helen mirren
1: off. yeah yeah well we got this a-lister here uh you know serving pancakes in the basement this doesn't make sense <laughs> it's always <laughs> um, a tip off. Yeah.
0: I, I think um I, I, I think that uh, I, I really liked this movie. I, I realize that we spoiled it for anybody listening, but if you really liked Downton, you would really love this movie. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, there's still things to find enjoyable in it, even if you kind of know the answer. Because um, it does do a very good job of sort of setting up everybody's motives. Uh, although yeah. I feel like they could have spent a little more time with some of the smaller characters. Like, you know, yeah. Bob Balaban has a reason to kill. Like you said, the conscientious, a conscientious observer has a, a chance or a, a reason to kill the, uh, uh, the, the guy who just got screwed on his business deal has a reason to kill. Like the great thing about those old who done it is they really convince you. Everybody did it. Yeah. <laughs> At the and end I, of the movie. And almost uh, uh, to the very end where the detective always ultimately comes out and gives you the, the answer to the riddle. Uh, that's where I thought this movie was just slightly lacking, as it didn't give me enough reason to suspect other people. But again, a minor concern, and otherwise fantastic movie.
0: Fantastic movie. Okay, mm-hmm. let's move on to our winner, Miss Jennifer Connolly, or is it Mrs. I don't know, Miss Jennifer Connolly and- for a beautiful mind, aka the prequel to the Theory of Everything. So, um. Here's my number one problem with this movie. Mm -hmm. First of all, (laughs) this bitch is not in a fucking supporting role. She's a lead. She is the lead actress of this movie. She is not supporting. She is lead. I realize that there's so many different ways that you can argue. And technically, there's no specific uh, rules for lead or supporting category. But when you're in practically every single scene of the movie and you're a huge part of the movie and the story revolves around your life. You are a lead. Um,
1: yeah, I think you'll find, because I think there are some um, standards to what it means, is I noted that she did not come into this movie for the first 30 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, and that her part is actually deceivingly small. <laughs> uh, it appears she's in everywhere, but she's not doing a lot. In in a lot of these scenes, it's. I feel I completely
0: disagree with you. you I I thought she was in. I thought she was in every like every. She was like so much of the story really centered around her because without him, it's like he wouldn't because he chose to try to do better because of her. Like she's kind of at the center of a lot of the movie, and so it's like Felicity Jones in the theory of everything. It's like, if you give her a lead nomination, you have to give Jennifer Connelly a lead nomination. I assure you, they probably doubled down on a supporting to guarantee a
1: win for her yeah. because
0: it's a great performance.
1: It's it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, and again, you know, we should qualify, uh, by saying a lot of the Oscars is very much politicized. Yes. Uh, I mean, there are thousands of dollars spent on ads and all this stuff to get people pushed into stuff, uh, yeah. and make sure wins happen. And again, um, I think that it's, there's a little bit of that going on here. But I mean, when you look through the category of women again, though, she does have sort of an advantage on some of them. Like you said, she is more or less in a leading role here uh, where almost everybody else in her category is working in an ensemble fashion. Like they're yeah. not caring as much of the film as she is. Um, where I slightly uh, disagree with you is that when you look at the, the content of her scenes, she's not really having to do much acting in any of them like a lot of the scenes are just showing her as oh look at this good wife not giving up on her husband there are mm. very few moments in the movie where she's actually compelled to to some actual extreme uh emotion to some you know to go very far left or right like most mm-hmm. of the time she's just fucking wife of the century for putting up with this stuff which is not much like honestly where where my problems sort of come with this movie like i think in a sense she does deserve the oscar for a um pretending like she's actually in love with russell crowe in this movie slash <laughs> steve nash <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is because literally that first scene where they're doing the the star thing where he's like oh pick any shape, and i'll show you where it is in the stars
0: oh that was so and dumb
1: umbrella and then it cuts back with her being like, Oh, you're so impressive, and he is rubbing the back, uh, her back with his hands. And I literally said out loud, Ew, <laughs> just like, Why? Also, the other reason she deserves an Oscar is because while uh, Russell Crowe ages very noticeably in this movie, she mm-hmm. remains amazingly stunning over the course of four years. Like, I don't know, she- <laughs> sort of flyer about her fucking costume and her makeup and how much you're allowed to age this woman. But I was like, Holy fuck, man. Nobody in history has held up that well.
0: Well, don't you remember at the very end, whenever they go for the Nobel peace prize and they fucking aged
1: her so much, she looked like Jane Fonda. (laughs) And they just go right off the guy. And also like this movie is guilty of um, trying too hard to follow that Hollywood formula. But like this, honestly is my least favorite of all the movies. Uh, really it has good moments i find mm. it's really sort of like it's very sort of it pays lip service to his mm. disease i find uh like it, it's like if the whole concept is just like you know what my love is so great and i'm so smart i don't need medication or anything i'm just going to essentially will away schizophrenia that's not at all how this works in real yeah. life like that the, is the so true he just looking over and he could ignore these, these visions. I, I mean, that's somewhat dismissive of what the disease really is. It's mm-hmm. uh, like it said several times in the movie, it's a degenerating disease. It's only mm-hmm. going to get worse. And it doesn't, uh, and I don't think it portrays that very well. I thought that was tough. And I think it in a way sort of affects her performance, Jennifer Connolly, because the whole movie feels stilted to me. Like, i Hmm. i can see the post but the the transition between them like for example the scene where he um is basically just sitting on his ass outside of of the hospital she's managed to spring him from the hospital but he's kind of being a lazy ass he's not doing anything and she jokingly says you can take out the trash uh and uh she overhears him talking to somebody and just naturally assumes that it's uh one of his personalities that he's talking Mm -hmm. to he's been not taking his drugs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and it turns out, you see a second later, an actual garbage man walks by, and she's just like, oh, oh, oh I guess you're not crazy now. <laughs> you
0: know, just like... And then five minutes later, he's
1: having a horrible fucking breakdown again. You're just like, why? Why did I need this scene? What is this? And then the scene with Adam Goldberg, where he has that very earnest moment where he's trying to open up to her, we're like, no, how are you doing? Like, obviously, because the burden of taking care of somebody with such strenuous um, and constant needs, it's quite the burden, and she mm-hmm. literally just talks it out, she's like, sometimes I am filled with rage, sometimes I am angry, <laughs> and I'm just like, you, you can't say rage without showing me a little rage, and again, I, I don't know if Jennifer herself or Ron Howard's direction, but I was upset with that moment, I feel like you totally. have a great monologue written on the page, and you threw it at
0: me. You see, that's kind of interesting, so well, there's a lot to cover there Yes, um, sorry, yes sorry, but no. I'm not no, there's a lot. There's a lot to cover there because th- you touched on some really, uh, vi- like, very valid points. Where you're right. She definitely was just like, "No, I am the wife. Therefore, I am loving, and therefore, <laughs> yeah. I will care for him forever, no matter what." And then I it's do.
1: Sort of true of that time. You had to. You didn't have a choice.
0: That's right. There were. I think some of her best moments were was when she's holding the baby, and then he, yes. Russell Crowe, thinks that that imaginary person is going to shoot her. So. He pushes
1: her while she's holding the baby. Much better moment as far as, you know, addressing the seriousness of the issue. I thought that was a great scene, yes.
0: When she's banging on the door saying, let me in, because it has more than one meaning. Uh, and <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: whenever, I think the thing though, the only part of this performance, because I do completely understand like what you're saying and and there were a, a lot of, um they kind of just <laughs> brushed over like uh, the experience of going through something like that mentally because you're yeah. right they just pretended like schizophrenia it's like oh it's fine just yeah, yeah. pretend like it's not there it's fine. the
1: one moment where they have hand on heart and she's like i need to believe or something like that and it just does a pan out the window like, lah, lah, lah. Just like <laughs> oh, so you sorted out all your fucking problems here, did you with that that disney line you just spouted out there um That's well not I how think that in real life no <laughs> well no but I think the thing that
0: I love um the thing that I thought was the most outrageous was whenever remember like the first scene that you see her in in the classroom and the window is open but there's oh, a yeah. construction crew okay <laughs> yes I live I, I live right next to a construction um site yeah it is so loud and it's 24 7 and i literally it's so annoying and just the sheer audacity of jennifer connelly opening this window and being like hi guys can you stop working yeah, i'm yeah. white thanks <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: yeah yeah and this was supposed to be the beginning of a of a, yeah. a, a lifelong relationship <laughs> where his character would be like oh my god she not only talked to those men, but she she, she talked to me. Well then. I close a close a window in my classroom. Oh the the boldness. <laughs>
0: She, yeah, she's just yelling at them and she's just like, hi, I'm Jennifer Connelly. These are my eyebrows. I'm gorgeous. Can you fuck off? Thanks. And they're like, no problem. Yeah. It's like, no. no. There were certain things about her character where she was so sure of herself that I found actually kind of annoying. However, I do think that when you're dealing with like batshit crazy Russell Crowe, it might be... um. you know in comparison maybe seen as a little bit more simple because russell crowe is like all over the place
1: well yeah Uh, yeah do you feel like and correct me if i'm wrong here like i I found part of the movie problems was their relationship in particular like it's about you have to earn certain moments before you can do them i felt like the love angle was rushed you're like you said that sort of awkward mm -hmm. scene where she's kind of wedged in and He's sort of seduced by her, I guess, uh, her boldness getting the window closed, (laughs) and then she comes into his office the next day and she's like, "Oh, by the way, I solved that problem," and he's like, "No, you didn't," and then she's just like, "Oh, you know, like, oh, he had the nerve to tell me I'm wrong. This is love. Like, I didn't like," and then all of a sudden they're just in love. Like, there's no, yeah, there's no up and down. Party. Yeah, exactly. And she's in what is it? What is it? Night jewels. Oh my god! Yes. (laughs) Just the most stunning fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. As yet to give real reason why she, she and never at all really states why she wants to be with him in this movie. Like her intentions, I'm just not clear about. Hmm. Uh, and as far as not earning it, the scene too where she wants to have sex with him and he rolls over and essentially reveals that he can't because of the drugs. I found it very odd that A, her reaction, like as she jumps out of bed, was not in the movie, it was just him. And then she <laughs> just goes into a bedroom, screams, and throws something at the mirror. And that's the end of it. Uh, just like, <laughs> while that scene in a, in a out of context was beautiful. Like, I really believe she was so frustrated in that moment. But I right. didn't see the four steps that led to that. <laughs> that's where I feel like this movie is problematic. And it, it, and it affects her performance a little bit. And plus, so that's- uh, Russell Crowe is a little uneven in this movie. Like at one point, he's like a genius. He really does play that genius character well. And then he's like borderline autistic. And then at the end of the movie, he's just an old dude, like, right? He's sort of all over in this movie. I, I, I again, he's it's kind of up and down. It's not a clear sort of arc what you're looking for. Where hmm. Broadbent again to go back to him, the his character from the beginning and the end of the movie, I, I saw every fucking step right from the second he left his door to the second he got where he was going. Mm -hmm. This is kind of... And granted, they're jumping decades and stuff, but it's a little out of sorts, this movie.
0: I think... Um, going back to that like umbrella thing when he points out shapes in the stars by constellations mm-hmm. another reason why that was really stupid was because you could literally come up with any shape in yes. a fucking universe of little dots <laughs> it's
1: like yes, yeah i mean yeah
0: i want a circle it's like there's a circle and she's like wow and then she's highly intelligent by the way because she's at this school in this
1: upper echelon math
0: program and like She's just trying to lock him down as a husband and she's just going along with all this bullshit. Yeah, I think. Remember when she slaps that guy when he's like, oh, you can't go in there? It's classified. And she's like, I'm going to get what I want. And she just <laughs> slaps him across husband's the My That's
1: crazy. Don't you tell me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. She's running around like Cindy in Scary Movie yeah. flailing limbs like ah! it's the 40s I'm surprised he didn't just punch her back in the face. Yes yeah, seriously. Uh the girl that eats shit pie in The Help was an extra in this movie and I spotted her when Russell Crowe is having that freak out at the University of Harvard whenever he's like thinks that he's being chased by goons. So there's a little fun fact. Oh, okay. Um I actually really like Jennifer Connelly. I think that a lot of the things to what you're saying is actually extremely true and valid, but I also think that that really comes down to the writing and the directing, maybe not necessarily based on her performance because, you know, there's only so much that she
1: can work with. Yeah, you can't control the editing.
0: Also, Jennifer Connelly had that sort of thing where she was constantly just doing these roles where she was just very always, like, crying and she was always, like... It was always, like, a requiem for a dream where she did... um, oh god like house of sand and fog she did uh, blood diamond and she, it was always like a different i don't really think that she has a lot of crazy range but it's like she's very no. good at acting
1: and being jennifer connelly yes. and she's kind uh, of like a kevin costner type she's not going to be much of a character actor ever but right there is honesty in her acting most of the time
0: <laughs> jennifer <laughs> connelly the kevin costner <laughs> of women i don't um, appreciate
1: that now i say it
0: um, okay, so let's go ahead and reveal who we think who we think should have won the Oscar. Um, so uh Brian, if you will go first.
1: Well, again, um this is such a difficult choice because of uh, again, the nature of the parts that I mm-hmm. randomly chose to dissect with you, I can definitely make a case for Jennifer Connolly for all the reasons we have listed. Um, I'm not going to go that way uh, although I completely understand the choice and I, I can get there uh, but if we're talking about straight up acting um, uh, and again degree of difficulty um, overall performance um, and again even though uh, directing and editing all that stuff can have a, an effect on your performance after the fact it has to be taken into consideration I think the Oscar should have gone to <laughs> Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. uh, maybe one of the toughest years ever, but I will give it to Helen Mirren for this. Um, even though okay. she doesn't have a great deal of screen time, which I guess isn't that important in supporting role, but how much she does with how little she's given, mm-hmm. uh, I think is is top notch. I have to give it to her, and to, and again, I can understand why they gave it to Jennifer Connelly. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but I would have voted I... for Helen.
0: I I completely I completely um, I completely agree with that. Okay, great. So then I'm going to go ahead and uh, say who I think should have won. So um, I think that the Oscar should have gone to
1: <laughs>
0: Helen Mirren. Hey. Um, I have to agree with you. Basically, um, there for me it was it was it was really. Um, sort of Marissa Tomei was kind of my second uh, for just the, the scene when like her like young lover, like gets murdered and the freaking out kids and stuff like that. It just felt so real to me. Um, But ultimately I think in terms of a more technical performance and um, somebody that really stood out to me, when I think about all these movies, I have like a certain scene in my mind. And like, when I think about Gosford park, I think just about at the very end when she's on the bed and she's crying. Yes. And I, I, completely um I completely just sort of it's like this it's this big buildup of this really, really subtle performance. And yeah. um I just really enjoyed watching it and I loved the ending and I love the way that she did the scene and the way that she uh, was so angry at Dumbledore for, you know, betraying his promise of taking Clive Owen into his home, but instead he just dropped him off at an orphanage, and yeah, yeah. He, it was it was just a really really well acted scene, a really well acted performance, and I always love a good like who done it. So for yes. me, it was it was Helen Mirren.
1: I think they have, yeah, like you said, that's a that's a great choice. She really nailed it that last scene too, uh, because and I was so. Uh, I don't want to say taken it back, but I was moved by the um, the person that does come to comfort her, where she has that outstanding scene uh, at the end of the movie. There is her natural enemy, and just the way, like you said, it's mm-hmm. like uh, someone shook a a bottle of champagne and just popped the cork. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what I saw. You you can't fake that. I I felt real frustration there, bubbling over. Like it, it takes a great deal for uh, any actor um, to get to that point to just do that on on action. That's mm-hmm. like, that's, it's a highly overrated skill. And I know a lot of people can just turn on the waterworks, but uh, actually mm-hmm. attach some sort of meaning and depth to that. And again, in, in very limited screen time, it's a, it's a masterful performance. She, you know, I would say if not for Meryl Streep, she would probably be known as the greatest actor of her generation. Um, or uh, Judy Dench. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. I mean, I don't know enough of Judy Dench's, um, background to be honest i've only seen most of her commercial films which i'm sure she would probably list leave off of her list of things to watch but i mean yeah oh, sure. she's De- insanely dependable as well like this and whole totally list correct. this whole list of actresses you know even oh, they're all great oddly uh to say that she's the worst of this bunch is still a compliment you know what I mean? like, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean 100% we're talking some top shelf fucking actors here all every single one of them so 100%
0: yeah. um okay well thank you so much uh brian for being guests on the show i uh, do you have anything coming up obviously no but it's 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 polite to ask do you have anything coming up that you would like to plug or anything currently
1: that you would like to plug well seeing as the two shows i had booked for the rest of 2020 have been um canceled uh and rightfully mm. so i would say mm-hmm. just you know uh, check out my uh my youtube or my instagram or my twitter and uh I, i'm still working on videos and stuff and i'd Love people to have a look at that until I can get back and get to your little town with my comedy and my, my hilariously uh, composed dick jokes.
0: Huh. And what is your social media handle? Where can uh, they find you?
1: Instagram is Brian with a Y underscore hat. Uh, Twitter is just Brian hat and uh, Facebook, same thing. I got fan page there, too. You can check me out anywhere. And uh, I will finally build that website when I have something to advertise. So look out for that (laughs) in 2021.
0: (laughs) All right. Something to look forward to. All right, Brian, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And we will see all of you bitches next time. My pleasure, baby.